0: Welcome to another episode of SCBC Podcast. Today we have a special guest who's joining us for this podcast. We got Pastor Jason Oldham. What's up? (laughs) Good to have you here, Jace. Good to be here. And yeah, Mary, Jason, and I, we're going to talk about something that's quite unique. We don't normally do this on our podcast, um, but we thought we would talk about Dr. Timothy Keller. Um, who's a pastor? Um, mostly, he's famous for being a pastor in New York. Uh, although he's not born and raised in New York, um, and he just passed away uh, last week on May nineteenth. And his legacy is actually tremendous. Um, having him go through cancer and now finally pass away and be in heaven with the Lord Jesus, um, it kind of gave. I think everyone an opportunity to just reflect on his legacy, on his ministry, on on his books and sermons and many things that maybe impacted our lives, our faith and our our ministry as as ministry leaders ourselves. Um and I think for me personally, I don't really have like I'm not a fan of mega churches and I don't follow like a certain pastor or a certain author very very closely, but um Tim Keller is probably one that I do follow most um out of all the other pastors and stuff and I do admire his um, books and and sermons and the way that he carries himself in the public. Um, just lots to say about him. So I thought we would all just spend some time processing this loss as a Christian community, um, but obviously also celebrating um, his life, who who he was and who who, who he who God created him to be, um, and how awesome that was for the church. Um, but. Also, I want to kind of just open up by sharing for those listeners who didn't really know Tim Keller that much, other than the fact that he's a pastor and we quote from him uh, time to time um, in our sermons. Um, but he was a pastor, a founding pastor, church planter at uh, Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York, um, in Manhattan. Now uh, they meet in multiple locations, and they're not—they don't like to qualify, uh, um, kind of categorize themselves as a leg- me- mega church. Mm. There, so they're more like a network of churches. Um, he has a legacy of urban church planting. He really did a lot for um, helping us appreciate how cities are so important in culture and how it could be a great opportunity for the gospel to go and, and just kind of be carried through the ch- cities and the culture that's there. Um, and he spent a lot of years equipping Christian leaders, pastors all over the world. Um, and he even did other things like Hope for New York, Um, His church, Redeemer, uh, established that way back, I think, in the 90s. And um, it it does a lot of good things for the community. It's an outreach project for the city of New York. And also, he started things like uh, Redeemer City to City or Redeemer uh, Counseling Services. I didn't know this until (laughs) I I was researching for this podcast. But um, their church actually started a Redeemer Counseling Services where they recognize the needs of Christian counseling in the world. So um, they've established that. Uh, I believe that's also in New York as well. So his legacy just goes beyond just the books that he wrote and sermons and stuff. But I think most of us know him for his books and mm-hmm. his content and his sermons. So, um, Jace, um, how how have you appreciated um, his ministry and who he is? Um, I'm probably a lot like you, Paul, where
1: um, I kind of try not to follow the latest famous um, Christian writer, musician, speaker, um, and it's not that I don't think people have really, really incredible things to say. I just try not to to put people on pedestals that they um, never asked to be on, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think I think with Mister Keller, uh, he was very vocal about the fact that um, you know he wasn't on a pedestal. He he directed all the attention to, um, to God and his glory and the gospel. Um, I think probably the biggest thing that I appreciate about him through his writings, but also in a couple of video series, things that we have watched, his physical demeanor. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I think, I think people, if you read about what people are saying about him now, probably the top word that comes up is humility. Um, yeah. And um, I, I just really appreciate people who uh, have had incredible things to say but maintain such a beautiful humility about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just appreciate that. Um, I, I want that for myself, um, not that I have millions of people <laughs> listening to my every word or reading the books that I haven't written, <laughs> but just um, about his character. Um, Specifically, the series that we watched as a staff and as a church, we watched uh, "Reason for God." Yeah, um, it's on right now. Media, by the way. Yeah, wanna... yeah. And it was—I uh, mean, I loved—I loved what he said. I loved—I um, loved, you know, sort of the apologetic that he used in his uh, interviews with non-Christians and what they thought about church and life and faith. Mm-hmm. But really, I think what spoke to me most was the way in which he showed. Love and compassion to those who were right up in his face against him yeah. uh, and against his beliefs. And um I don't know. It's pretty powerful stuff.
0: Yeah, I totally, totally agree. Um humility, is yeah, especially as our staff and our elders actually watch that series together. Reason for God on um it's on right now media. But um yeah, it's it's actually fascinating how smart and intelligent the man is, mm-hmm. and yet Uh, his meekness and humility. He has uh, every right to be arrogant.
1: Um, He's so smart, so mm -hmm. learned, so uh, reads, like devours books Mm -hmm. and and seeks to know as much as he can. Um, And I guess in some ways you could call that a right to um, overthink over top of people, but he just doesn't. He just doesn't let himself go there, which is kind of really a beautiful
0: thing. Yeah. Yeah, he he practices what he teaches, right? So I I really admired that too. Mary, how about yourself any
2: <laughs> It's going to be a little bit of an echo probably cuz I was going to say Exactly, all of the same things. I was going to talk about his humility, especially and seen in that video series. Um, But I think it's kind of cool that we're all saying very similar things because it means that that's really how he came across, and that's really Mm -hmm. sort of the mark that he left on the world is to have all of this knowledge, but also to carry it with such humility. And another thing that I really appreciate about him is I didn't even know he was seventy-two. Like he was born in 1950. He's lived a long life and has um, crossed so many generations and that's something that I think is cool is even us we're three different generations and we all value and love and respect his work and so I think it's really cool that he could be studying and writing with um, such a consistency but also still a relevance to all of the different generations that are coming up and so i I love how he's respected sort of multi-generationally and cross um denominationally through because i i yeah i just think that that's pretty incredible and as well living in a time of like cancel culture and all these different leaders that we're seeing quote unquote fall and the fact that he he stood out. He wasn't yeah. a part of those things. Um, I think is really beautiful and does speak to then a genuine humility that he was able to carry through such a long life and career, even in the spotlight.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause he, he planted his church in 1989 and yeah. that was kind of his beginning of, um, you know, worldly success, at least in the, in the area of ministry where his church, um, grew to thousands of people in, mm-hmm. in just a few years. And his influence kind of went beyond just the size of the congregation there in New York mm-hmm. um, through his books and through the way that he did apologetics. Because I think that the claim to fame for a Redeemer Church in the 90s was that every Sunday after the service, um, he would go into a room with a bunch of people and they they welcomed and invited and actively wanted um, skeptics to come and question mm-hmm. um, what he just preached or or the faith position that we have in Christ and the Bible. And he very respectfully and carefully and uh, listened to them, first of all, right? Not just talking at them, but he invited people to talk um, and have a dialogue rather mm-hmm. than it's just a monologue from the pulpit. So um, that's kind of how Redeemer grew um, in its early days. And, and skeptics came and learned that Jesus is actually a very reliable, like logically reliable, but existentially wonderful God. Mm-hmm. Um, so their church grew on that. So I think, That's a part of, uh, you know, his legacy that I respect a lot. But I think given that, you know, we're all talking about his humility and meekness, I think that's one of the reasons why he was very uh, revered Mm -hmm. by multiple denominations and generations, because I think we respect that. Um, And I like the fact that, you know, you brought up that he's actually very impactful to multiple generations, Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of people think, you know, young leaders, they don't want to hear from the older generation or previous generation. And I think that's so not true. Um, when you are that relevant and that wise and that gentle and loving and kind, like, we want to be around people like that Mm -hmm. no matter what your age is. Um, So you don't always have to be like a John Mark Comer with the very hipster, um, pour-over-coffee kind of a culture um, person. Like, Tim Keller, he's not the most dynamic um, communicator. Like, I I love hearing him preach and stuff. But I remember um, one Easter, I had one of his Easter sermons up, and I was listening to it because I wanted to hear how he preaches to people who are not Christians and um, and sharing the Easter story. And I had it going on my iPad, and Sarah was, I think, like uh, <laughs> cooking or something like that. And she's, yeah, she was listening, and she goes, Why are you listening to this guy? She didn't realize it was Tim Keller. Um, if you listen to this guy and preach like him, it'll be boring. I'm like, Oh, wow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Don't say that. Thank about you, Tim Sarah. <laughs> um, yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, it wasn't that he was flashy and mm. very. Um, you know, a hipster or anything like that, that we resonate with him. It's actually, Mm -hmm. he was very biblical. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what stood the um, test of time. Uh, I I, think, oh, sorry. No, go ahead.
2: I was going to say, I think another thing too is, I mean, right now, I think in sociology, everyone's talking about power and access and how that looks for different groups and different people. And I think, you know, there's this idea that when you have power and you have that, you can either use your access to let others in or to prevent others from coming into it. And I think he is a beautiful example of the fact that he used the power and the access that he had to bring people in, even, you know, stepping down from leading the church and then continuing to do other things. And I'm sure, I mean, I don't know this for sure, but I'm sure that he was still a part of that and, you know, wanting it to flourish. Even without him, he didn't just leave and say sayonara. But I think that that also speaks to you know how he used kind of like Jesus said, bringing the outsiders in, using his access yeah. to bring others in rather than keeping others out.
0: Yeah, I mean, when when I went to New York with my family, I actually wanted to check out their church because um, mm. I wanted to see him um, preach or, or at least um, what his church was like. But then that's when I found out. I think we went in 2019, and that's mm. when I found out. Oh, he actually resigned in 2017, and mm-hmm. actually his son uh, Michael. Keller is a pastor at one of the Redeemer Network cool. churches um, in New York. I forgot exactly where. Um, but yeah, I just found that out trying to research for this episode. But yeah, he's clearly been involved and in, in for many years, but he knew when to just kind of let the next generation take over hmm. and continue and, and cheer them on and lead them and equip them. Um, so I think that's good. Um, I also appreciate his intelligence. Like, I think mm-hmm. we take it for granted, but I really do appreciate his intelligence um, and I also appreciate his wisdom. And I think those two are a little bit different. Like the intelligence side, I mean, like he was, he was a great communicator. He was a great thinker, a philosopher. Um, but also his wisdom on culture, especially mm-hmm. through like the urban centers and city and, and his desire to see urban church plants happen. Because it's so much easier for Christians in North America to plant churches in the suburbs, uh, Bible belts. Um, and it's it's been very difficult to plant in Vancouver, for example. Hmm. Uh, even our fellowship network of churches. Um, numerically, our churches are larger in the suburbs, right? Um, uh, inner city or or downtown Vancouver, like those are more difficult mission fields, it seems. Um, But he was so um, tenacious about planting churches in the cities and Mm. his church and his ministry spent a lot of resources, time and money in planting these kind of churches all over the world, not just in New York. And I thought that was really cool. He wrote books about sharing his passion for cities and how God wants to use these cities. Um, So I think his wisdom around culture, our cultural moment and also the global church, Uh, And that's kind of tied into his humility again, but he always um, talked about—he often talked about how the North American church or the English-speaking parts of the world and our version of church isn't the only way to do church, that there's a dialogue that could be had, there's conversations that we can have Hmm. that would actually benefit our church here in the West— um, if we communicated with churches in Asia or Africa or Latin Americas or Middle East or anywhere else in the world, that we can actually learn from each other and that we're not supposed to be the only or dominant voice in, in ministry or Christian contexts, that um, that we're not the end-all, be-all. And I think that, obviously, I think a lot of people would agree with that. And yet, to live that out as a very influential author who has you know his books read in all over the world for him to say like we need the humility to listen to the uh, Asian church or the eastern church or um i think that was really cool for him to just kind of lead by example the the appreciation for god being bigger than just the western church
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, for sure yeah um so i also wanted to spend some time and talk about um tim keller's books and sermons and articles that mm-hmm. he's written which he's done he's a he's a prolific author actually um So there's lots of books and lots of articles and papers and sermons, but, um, are there any, any of those that kind of stand out to you guys? Mary, do you have any, Mm -hmm. that you like? Yeah,
2: I have a couple, uh, the prodigal God.
0: Yes. And I remember
2: we read and did the video series on that, Uh, um, at our community group. And that was really cool. Um, learning his, um, I guess exegesis on what that passage really means. And it's the first time that I kind of thought of it, uh, so differently. Yeah. And I also love the graphics he uses, or not the graphics, the illustrations he uses in the video of like the table uh, yes. and everything. It's really like creative. Also, yeah,
0: also available on, on right now. Media. <laughs> this is
2: actually just a huge <laughs> right now media plug. Um, so that was really great. And then obviously, reason for God is a amazing yeah. book. Um, and then I just started his maybe his newest one, one of the newest ones, forgive. It was written mm-hmm. in twenty twenty two. I don't know if any came after that. Yeah, but I
0: haven't read it yet. No.
2: I'm only a chapter into it, but that has been amazing so far, and he really um, digs into the idea of forgiveness, but also makes it really culturally relevant, as we were saying, so it talks about race a lot and different current cultural um, issues and topics that we're really grappling with, and so mm-hmm. I'm enjoying it so far.
0: Yeah. Jace, any any books or articles or sermons that were especially impactful for you?
1: Um, <clears throat> Yeah, I uh, I would say, uh, so I do a fair bit of weddings,
2: and, mm-hmm.
1: uh, and most of the premarital things that we do, you know, we have something that we work through with the couple. Um, I will usually always try to recommend his Meaning for Marriage book. Yeah. I think it's a, a really great mm-hmm. uh, all-around book yes. uh, that um, couples really enjoy, no matter where they're coming from. Um, uh, I, too, was pretty profoundly affected
0: by prodigal god when it first came out Mm -hmm. um you were actually in ministry at that time uh, when the book came out right
2: when did the book come out do we
1: know? We can check it out. In, i got a computer in, in front of what me. What do you mean in ministry, like I'm currently Pastor. out of ministry? No, I think no,
2: no, means no, like I wasn't born yeah. yet, but you were in ministry. Oh, no, no, so no, no, You no, were born. No, no, you, no, no, you, you were, no,
1: were born. No, <laughs> <your> age slap. <laughs> you were born. I'm getting, I'm getting outed for my age. I Yes, old. I'm the oldest person in the room. No, no,
0: no. You were you were born, Mary. Come on
1: now. Let me see. I read it. You can tell me when it was written. I read it when it first came out. And I think, I think you can, I can, I can... Throw myself under the bus here, but I grew up in yeah. in a time in sort of Christian culture when it was very easy to just let our moral, um, our morality declare kind of what Christianity was all about. So if you mm. if you lived a certain way, you were a Christian. That's kind of a loose definition yeah. of how uh, the church kind of made things look at least uh coming through uh the 80s and 90s um so if you didn't do this 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 and this uh and you did do this this and this that Mm. that is what dictated your faith yeah so uh, you can imagine that a reading of uh, the story of the prodigal son yeah um it constantly focused on the wayward child constantly it was all about that and and rightly so i mean i think i think there's a good portion of that that should be understood as yeah. um the no matter how much we walk away from god and how much we do against the will of god that there's this forgiving loving god waiting for us um but when i read that book and and really the bad guy in the book <laughs> was the super righteous brother who yeah. didn't do anything wrong and i know i mean you know you get it in context he's talking about the Pharisees and the people who yeah. do all these righteous things, and yet they're the ones who who aren't allowed in the party at the end. Um, so much of that book was like a real kind of wake up call for me, um, yeah, even just pointing out, I didn't think I was overly self-righteous in any way, really. I, just, I, I felt like I had a good sense of humility and understanding mm-hmm. of the gospel and how sinful I was, but it was just a wake up call for me to go, oh, oh yeah, this this story is actually about the other brother. Um, well, ultimately it's yeah. about the father yeah. and everything is about the yeah. father and how much the father loves. But um, yeah, that was huge. That mm-hmm. was huge. I remember taking a lot of the <clears throat> concepts of that book um, and even kind of weaving it into um, kind of my, my teaching and preaching. And um, I remember kind of reiterating some of those concepts at summer camp when I was a speaker and, yeah. um, and having many, many people, kids come up to me afterwards and say, yeah, well, I can't take credit. Here's the book. Yeah. You should read it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, Reason for God was also, like Mary said, um, among all of the, there was, there's a bit of a wave of apologetics mm-hmm. books that uh, kind of came out, which are, are very good and very healthy. And I think it's good to have... Um, uh, you know, seek out logic and reason in our understanding in mm-hmm. our faith. It's not just blind faith. It's based yeah. on on fact and based on um, uh, very very intelligent um, right truth concepts. So, mm-hmm. um, so reason for God was great. Um, yeah, those those three are the ones that I've read uh, cover to cover. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of quotes and. Um, and, and sermons along the way that I've resourced yeah. while I was maybe preaching or, or learning on a subject. So yeah, it's huge. I, I did, um, because the the uh, <laughs> socials are just um, te- oh, yeah. teeming with things right now. There was one quote that I read um, earlier uh, from Tim Keller, because there's just lots out there. But I just, I, I, I don't remember where it came from. I don't remember reading it. So maybe it's from a book that I hadn't go to. But the only person who dares wake up a king at 3 a.m. for a glass of water is a child. <laughs> we have that kind of access. So that one kind of was like, I feel like yeah. that sums up the way Tim Keller hmm. lived. Yeah. Like he understood who he was as a person who is valued and loved by God. He understood who he was as a sinner who was walked away from God. And in that concept of the gospel and what Christ has done, and because of what Christ has done and how we now have access to the Father, he he viewed himself as this sort of innocent child um, forgiven that now has access to this glorious heavenly king Mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter what time of day it is you could wake up that king at 3 a.m. for a glass of water um who cares if he's the king? He, he knows he's he loves his children. So yeah. that same sort of, you know, the 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 father who's waiting at the yeah. door and you know who picks up his garment and runs towards the wayward son yeah. and all of the context of that just yeah. amazing. Um, that's who he viewed God as, and and you can see it over and over and over and over again. Mm. Um, so it's helpful. Um, there's a few others I could I could share, yeah. but that was one of those ones that that kind of caught me today that I. I'm a child of Jesus. I am a child of the Father, and I can at any time, at any day, have that
0: kind of access to God. So, yeah. eh. I mean, I know, like, when we watch movies or songs even, like, I think when we first read it or when we first watched a movie or when we first heard a song, like it's, it becomes a personal experience, mm-hmm. even though it was written and millions of people have read <laughs> it. Um, so the reason I asked for like what stage of life, um, so Mario is obviously quite young at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you were in ministry. I was just getting into ministry. Mm-hmm. So that's when I started doing the First Nations ministry. Um, that's when I was still kind of teaching, but understanding that there might be a call to go into full-time ministry and stuff like that. So this book was huge for me. Actually, um, this text, even before this book was written, um, the prodigal son text, the lost son in Luke chapter 15, um, is one of my, um, the most important passage, I think, of Bible for me personally, Mm -hmm. because I see myself in both the older and the younger son, and I see the father um, as my God. So this was hugely important to the point where I first uh, got into the Immerse program at the seminary. Uh, they they make you preach, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I chose Luke 15 as my text. Mm-hmm. Um, so this has always been an important part of my life. And that when I first read it, it wasn't right at 2008, I don't think, but I was trying to figure out, am I going into full-time ministry and stuff like that? And it was very, very formational for me to understand, like you say, Jace, um, my relationship to my God, my father, my king. Um and even the title at the time, Jason, I'm sure you remember, like, that was kind of scandalous, right? Mm-hmm. The son is lost. The son is the prodigal. Like, our God is not prodigal. <laughs> um, and yet I, I get what he's doing artistically there, right? And I know a lot of people have a problem with uh, reckless. Is it reckless love of God and the scandal of grace? But, mm. like, honestly, like, the title kind of captivated me, too. It was like, what do you mean? Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. For the world that doesn't know, for the older brother, his love that he lavished on the younger son is is wasteful it's unwise it's too much and yet our god says no this is this this is what i do i love you more than you deserve um so yeah that that image um of the father running um despite what people would say is shameful right with with your with your noble status you shouldn't be running like that you shouldn't be um holding your robe up like it's not it's not what you do but this is this is the God we have, and yeah, the reason for God was also impactful for me. I actually use that book to um, engage in conversation with non Christians, mm-hmm. especially when they are philosophically inclined and they want to talk about life in that regard. Um, I've shared it with uh, two people um, personally and walked them through the book, and I actually had the privilege of baptizing one of the people mm. uh, that read it. Um, so um, very cool, cool useful resource for me personally uh, in my ministry. Also, the book on preaching is really good. Mm. Um, It's a classic. Um, I think Martin Lloyd-Jones and Tim Keller's books on preaching are kind of really um, good resources. I remember texting Mark Clark, the pastor at Village at the time, um, and asking him when I first started preaching a lot, I asked him like, hey, what what book can you recommend for me to grow as a preacher? And then he actually found the time to text back and he said, yeah, um, Martin Lloyd-Jones and also Tim Mm. Keller's book on preaching so cool. that's in the library downstairs at our office uh, Hidden Christmas I shared it with our church um, awesome book about Christmas Hope in Times of Fear awesome book about Easter his book on prayer is great his book on walking with God through pain and suffering hmm. um, I didn't read the whole book yet but I've read parts of it and, and it's fantastic cool. Right, it's great to just give to a person who's going through a lot because uh, it comes from a um, position of confidence in God for sure but also humility and grace and understanding right sympathy rather than hey here's a book get better now um no no there's like god's heart in that book so i, th- I love that um the prodigal prophet i used when we preached through jonah hmm. so this is kind of a play on the prodigal god right the prodigal prophet the uh, jonah and then encounters with jesus i recommended to pastor jordan when he did his series uh called right. encounters with jesus yeah. so last summer right yeah yeah so the, that's another book um yeah, he's he's prolific. But I want to talk about one podcast. There's lots of articles that he wrote that really <laughs> has shaped my ministry. But also there's an article, uh, a podcast that he did in 2020, I believe, during COVID. When, who's that guy from Alpha, from Britain?
2: Oh, Gim- Nicky Gumbel? Gumbel. Yeah,
0: yeah, Nicky Gumbel. So he had a podcast that he... he. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he's got a really smooth arm, <laughs> Nicky Nikki Gimble. Gimble. <laughs> so Nikki Gumbel, um, he, he he he's another Christian leader that has lots of people who tune into his podcasts. And um, he had Tim Keller as a guest, I think. And hmm. this was when he first publicly um, announced that he had this cancer diagnosis. And, and Tim Keller had cancer like 10 years before that, too, I think. He had um, thyroid cancer earlier in the 2010s, I think, somewhere. And this time it was um, pancreatic cancer, which most people thought, okay, wow, he might pass away from this. Um, They didn't know exactly how much time he had been given. So he and his wife, Kathy, had to process this and he came on a podcast Mm
2: -hmm.
0: um, in the midst of um, processing this as a family, as an individual, as a church community, and, and as a wider Christian community that cared about him. And I don't remember exactly everything that was said, and I can't quote from that but i remember it's like a 50 something minute episode and it was captivating hmm. the way that he faced death the way that he faced illness um i think i think it was just powerful to see like not just the gospel that he preached but the gospel that he really lived and found hope in um even after writing all those great books and and being a christian leader that's respected around the world he himself needed to cling on to the hope that he's been talking about, the hope of the resurrection. And I loved what his children um, posted on Instagram and social media when their dad um, passed away. Um, The post said, Timothy J. Keller, husband, father, grandfather, mentor, friend, pastor, and scholar died this morning at home. Dad waited until he was alone with mom. She kissed him on the forehead and... Uh, She kissed him on the forehead and he breathed his last breath. We take comfort in some of his last words. There is no downside for me leaving, not in the slightest. And then they write, see you soon, dad. Mm. And I I love that, that that was one of the last words that he left to his own family, his own kids. There's no downside for me Mm. in the slightest. Um, He really believed in it. He really lived it. And he approached death even the hardest of his life. I think um he approached it with grace and humility and confidence in Jesus, and I think if we could all live with those things, mm-hmm. it would be great. Um, any books that you want to read, anything that's on your to read list so many so yeah so
1: i've in in the whole <clears throat> onslaught of of um sort of info that's been posted lately, and, yeah, and I've really appreciated it. I like, I like...
0: I bet your, your Instagram and your social media... Yeah, lots yeah. of people yeah, sharing different sure. things, and it's great.
1: Yeah. Um, but uh, there has been some quotes in reference to his, I think it's his first book, Ministry of Mercy. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and many people kind of, kind of mentioning that, and a few little thoughts from there that were captivating to mm-hmm. me, which... Um, I'll probably go back and um, work my way through that. Mm. Um, just But just a little thought there, as you were sharing, I had another quote uh, I wanted to share based on kind of being asked to be a part of this. And it's very similar to kind of his final words. Yeah. Um, the central basis of Christian assurance is not how much our hearts are set on God, but uh, how unshakably his heart is set on us. Mm. And the the reason I um, really really appreciate these words um, in a world that's filled with, or at least in in the state of the church, and you know many people kind of walking away, and mm-hmm. and kind of some of the fear that that has caused in a, a lot of other people, um, I kind of look at the, the, a quote like this, and I think you know what it's so true. Um, no, it doesn't. I mean, we matter to God and our faith obviously matters. And, and we, we are, our, our, our goal as Christians is to grow closer and closer to Jesus. Uh, and so that our faith in him grows closer, but it it's, it's actually not about how much our hearts are set on God that gives us the assurance. Mm -hmm. And I get this wrong all the time. Like I think, Oh, I need, I need to, do this, or I need to think this way, or I need to believe this way um, so that I can feel assured mm-hmm. in it. Like, like an athlete in in sports. Mm-hmm. My kids all play sports. You know, they they have to practice and they have to keep practicing to get better and better and better at their mm-hmm. athletic craft. And that is what's going to bring them success. Whereas mm-hmm. it's kind of different in the world of faith. There is a truth a truth, who is Jesus, and it's about what he has done that gives us the assurance, not Mm -hmm. how good we're doing at the life with Jesus, not how good we're doing in our devotions, not how good we're doing in our life of prayer, not how good we're doing in in loving our family. All of those things should be outward expressions of our life with faith, but our assurance comes from the fact that God is pursuing us, yeah. that the Father is, you know, stepping off the porch and yeah. and pulling up his robe and running towards us, and there's something in there's a beauty in that, there's yeah. a freedom in that, there's grace in that that you know that it's really um, we can we can have that assurance even even in our last breaths yeah. when maybe our our faith is like shaken and mm-hmm. weak and we have doubts in those last moments. It's actually more about the, how unshakably God's heart is set on us that gives us the assurance. So a, a, a yeah. pretty pretty powerful picture. Uh And this isn't just about, I mean, these are Tim's words. This isn't just about a, a famous preacher who said yeah. these things. This is mm-hmm. for all of us. God's yeah god 's set on us he 's unshakably, his heart is set on us, and I think that that we can have that assurance through that so anyways
0: there's there's a little a little sermon uh for, for today <laughs> yeah well it's like um it's not the quality of our faith right it's the quality of the object of our faith, yeah yeah and, and what Christ has done yeah. and who he is and um as I was even preparing for this, I realized how many people are posting on my social media accounts about this person, about his legacy, about his books or quotes. Like, yeah, I've been seeing all these quotes. Um, and it's actually beautiful because I didn't realize the magnitude of his um, influence in the Christian world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew everyone kind of talked about Tim Keller and quoted him in sermons and stuff, but like, wow, like mm-hmm. I've I've seen in my lifetime, a few, you know, global Christian leaders pass away and... Lots of saying thank you. You've meant a lot. Your books have meant a lot to me. But this is like on another level Mm -hmm. that I'm seeing on my posts. And um, clearly, um, a lot of people have been influenced um, in their faith journey, in their ministry. And a lot of pastors are like kind of resolved to say like, hey, thank you. Thank you, Tim Keller, for your ministry in my life and others. But now we got to carry this on. Like, I I understand that I'm not preaching to the same number of people that he preached to or the same number of people will listen to our podcast, but... I got to do it equally faithfully, and and I got to make sure the next generation hears the gospel of Jesus and experiences it through the way we live, through the way we talk, through the way that we write and preach and all that. So there was kind of this, like, beautiful community responding, saying, like, thank you. But it's not just thank you. It's we promise we'll keep going. Hmm. Um, Your legacy isn't just about you, and I don't think Ken ever would have wanted it to be just about him. It's about Jesus, and he lives on, and he's still Moving his church, and he's still in it. So, we we trust that God will use us to continue that work of the gospel. Yeah, Mary, how about you? Do, do you have any books on your to read yeah, list?
2: Yeah, actually, a ton of them. Mm-hmm. One of them is um, Uncommon Ground. Mm. I know Caitlin for staff are. We did this thing in their newsletter where the staff picked yep. a different book each month and we talked about it and that was hers. And so it's been on my reading list since she actually mm-hmm. wrote about it. So that's yeah, one of them. I read that
0: one either. yeah.
2: Um, as well, Generous Justice. Yeah,
0: I heard about that. Yeah.
2: And then I've actually never read Meaning of Marriage. So maybe one day I'll also get around reading that yeah. one. Um, and then Hope in Time of Fear. I think we also used that for yeah, the sermon I said, series. Yeah. yeah. Um, as well, like you said, Walking with God yeah. through pain and suffering. So many.
0: Yeah. And
2: they've been on my list for a long time. But... Um, yeah, I'm yeah. excited to dig into those. Yeah.
0: I wonder if he has, like, I remember Mark Clark, when he wrote his book, he had the Audible and he actually recorded it with his voice. Yeah. I wonder if Dr. Keller ever did any of those. Well, I
2: also <laughs> wish that they were, like, bundles since he has so many <laughs> books that he could just buy the, the Tim are, Keller actually. bundle.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love those books. I have those, some of those on my list as well. Hmm. Um, I... Really wanted to read The Meaning of Marriage. I haven't read it either. So when Jason okay, talked okay. about it, yeah, I was yeah. like, because oh. I've heard so many people say good things about mm-hmm. it. I think it, they even have dev- devotionals to go along with the book um, for couples to do together. And Generous Justice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's especially interesting to me because a lot of the younger generation, they, they really talk about this idea of justice a lot mm-hmm. and this idea of generous justice. I, I heard good things about the book, so I want to I want to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to read from like more of a pastor and, and church leader kind of perspective i want to read how to reach the west again he wrote that book oh, just a couple years ago
2: i didn't even see that one on the and
0: list. Um, i haven't really heard much about it but i want to read it because i'm really intrigued by the title i i really want to see what his perspective was on how to reach the west again and um every good endeavor i think this is an older book hmm. that a lot of people have been talking about i actually haven't read it it's one of his classics so i would love to read that too but yeah, and I kind of want to reread some of the books that mm-hmm. I haven't read for a long time. And like I said earlier, some of these books we interact with when, like, earlier in my ministry journey, I kind of want to read it again and see what I get out of it now that mm-hmm. I've been in this ministry for... Uh, you
2: need a whole shelf just for the Tim Geller.
0: I know. And, and you know, I think um, I remember, like, the pastors that taught me and mentored me, they had those guys, right? Whether it was the, um, you know, the... Uh, Char, uh, Chuck Swindoll's mm-hmm. or the mm-hmm. or the um Charles Stanley's or the um David Jeremiah's or or Piper's or the MacArthur's or whatever those guys um, who wrote a lot prolifically and was able to inspire a generation to take their faith deeper and understand the Bible well and things like that so i mean for our generation i think definitely Tim Keller has had a huge influence but not just like maybe the influence word it, it sounds almost like too self-serving but he he yeah. equipped us. Mm. And I think God used a man like him to equip us with um, just appreciating God's beauty in his word, um, understanding the call to ministry mm. for leaders and pastors, especially. Equip and
2: inspire. Yeah. I think. yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think that's quite awesome. Like, if I could do that as a pastor, that would be amazing. Like, I would love to do that for whether it's just one person or two people, to help them love Jesus even more beautifully and to be able to lead them to the cross and find hope in the resurrection like that those are the things that we want to do Mm -hmm. Um, and um so we want to kind of we wanted to do this episode just uh more casually just to be able to share and help people process because i've heard a ton of people say i'm actually emotional i actually cried this morning Mm -hmm. when i heard like and i was like oh yeah even though we don't know him personally like we were remember as a staff right before covid um tim keller was going to come and be a speaker at one of the conferences at Westside church Mm -hmm. and we were literally we bought tickets and we were so excited to go and we're talking about, I remember he was supposed to come in October mm-hmm. and then COVID hit in March. I actually still thought in April that we would go to this conference. <laughs> Little did I know. <laughs> Little did um, we all know. And then, and then we heard about his cancer. And then I realized, oh, we might not see him, not just because of COVID, but because of his journey where he's at with his health. That's when I kind of realized, oh, I guess I probably will never see him um, in on Earth, at least. Mm. Um, but I just appreciated his, his wisdom, his humility, like we said, and I think um, you know we can pray for even strangers, people that we don't know. So I encourage you as you listen, pray for the Keller family, mm-hmm. uh, for people around them. Um, not that they're listening, but we offer our condolences and our thoughts and our prayers um, because we believe in a God who is mighty that could walk alongside people who grieve and mourn, but also that we totally grieve um, unlike any other because we have a Lord who promises us eternity, resurrection, and like Tim Keller himself said there's no downside for him going to Jesus. Um that's exactly straight out of the apostle Paul, right? There's no downside for this. I'm so happy and thankful to have read his stuff, um but also I'm happy and thankful that his family has this hope. I think that's beautiful. So, thanks for listening in. Thank you Jason and Mary for having Thank this you. conversation. Nice. Yeah, Thank and you. Um, we'll 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 see you guys are we'll I always say we'll see you guys soon. We'll talk soon. to you guys. We'll talk to you guys soon <laughs> in the next episode.